Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Hi, Pastor Leighton. I just wanted to hear from you and from the rest of the Ebenezer team. What are the specific challenges the church will face during this pandemic? But also, what are the unique opportunities that you feel God is giving to the church uh, for us to faithfully respond to in the midst of this crisis? Thanks. Well, good morning, Ebenezer family and friends. This morning, we're going to continue our Equip You series and look at some of the obstacles and opportunities that are in front of us right now. Now, if you're new to this webcast, over the last few weeks, we've taken time to talk about the things that are on many of our minds. We've already looked at some of the common God questions people wrestle with and some of the real life questions that you and your friends are facing. This morning, we're going to shift that conversation a bit and we're going to look at a few questions that move us forward in ministry including the question you just heard from one of our Ebenezer family. Now, my guest this morning is Dr. David Gretzky. Uh, he is the Vice President of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, which is an organization that represents uh, 42 evangelical denominations and over 100 other Christian organizations and educational institutions across Canada. For the last uh, 55 years, They have been the unified evangelical voice to our government and also to our nation. But before Dr. Gretzky joins us, I just want to take a moment and look at a couple of key scriptures that will help lay a biblical foundation for the rest of the morning. The first scripture passage is Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 to 17. It says this, Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. These words were written uh, by the Apostle Paul almost 2,000 years ago to the followers of Jesus in the city of Ephesus. But as I read them this morning, I'm sure you can see clearly how relevant this passage is for followers of Jesus today. This current global pandemic seems to have produced a bumper crop of conspiracy theories. And the internet and social media is overflowing with information. And a lot of it is misinformation that has confused and deceived many, including people in the Christian community. Which is unfortunate since the followers of God are to be people of the truth. So if there ever was a time to be very careful how we live, it's now. If there was ever a time God needed his people to walk in wisdom, meaning that we take our knowledge of God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit and apply it to our everyday lives, it's now. And if there was ever a time God needed his people to actively seek him, to to listen for his voice and to understand what the Lord's will is, rather than being swept away by the misinformation, conspiracy theories filling the internet right now. It's today. If there ever was a time God needed his people to recognize 
and make the most of every opportunity rather than living in fear and allowing our circumstances to control our every action. It's now. Followers of God are to be people of the truth. We know the truth because we have the source of truth. Jesus, speaking of himself, said plainly, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Which means that when we look for answers, we go to him. When we look for direction, we go to him. And when we seek the fullness of life, we go to Jesus. And when we don't, our message is compromised. And our actions can become an obstacle to the mission of God, rather than accomplishing the mission of of God. So let's be careful how we live in this strange and stressful, stressful season. Not as unwise, but as wise. Paul gives further instructions on how to live wisely and fruitfully in his letter to the followers of Christ who lived in the city of Colossae. Listen to what he says in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. He begins, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. And you, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This season seems to be defined by all the things we can't do. We can't meet in groups larger than 10. We can't work. We can't go to school. We can't freely shop for the things that we need and want. We can't gather to worship. You know, it would be easy for us to focus on and be discouraged and frustrated by all the restrictions that have been forced or placed upon us, especially because we're used to having freedom and control over our own lives. But rather than focus on all that we can't do, I think we should focus on those things that we can do and maybe even have more time to do. We have more time to devote ourselves to prayer, which means that when we pray, we should be persistent in our prayers and unwilling to quickly give up when God does not answer us immediately. Since the speed of our lives has slowed down, we have more opportunity opportunity to be watchful or to be alert and thankful. Now, in this passage, Paul is asking the Colossian Christians to pray for him in his ministry, that God would open new ministry doors for him, and that when those doors were opened, that he would be able to effectively share the mystery of Christ in his kingdom. But he goes on to say that this should not be just our prayer for him. This should be our personal prayer and our prayer for other believers. He says that we should be wise in the way we act toward outsiders, that we should make the most of every opportunity, and that our conversation should always be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that we know how to answer everyone. You know, this is the second time that Paul connects opportunity with living wisely. How you and I live our lives in front of the world matters. If we live wisely and graciously, doors will open and ministry opportunities will come our way, almost guaranteed. But if we live unwisely, and if we lack grace, those doors will close, 
and ministry opportunities will be lost. If you are normally part of our Ebenezer family, you probably recognize this passage. These are the verses the staff team faithfully prayed and invited you to regularly pray as well. And I know that as I prayed these verses, and as our staff prayed this prayer, ministry opportunities popped up everywhere for us. You know, this is a time for us to pray this prayer again, that we would devote ourselves to prayer, that we would pray with open eyes, alert and attentive to what God might be saying to us and doing among us, to pray with expectancy, believing that God is going to open ministry doors in front of us in this season, and to pray for gracious and clear speech so that our words would be received and that we would make the most of the opportunities that come our way. Ed Stetzer, a well-known author and missiologist in the USA, recently wrote an article uh, entitled this, Christians, this is our moment, a call to clarity and mission. I agree, this is our, our moment. God has called the church to be a sent community of people who no longer live for themselves, but instead live to participate with him in, in his redemptive purposes. And so I say to you, Ebenezer Church, this is our moment. This is our moment. Let's be ready to seize the opportunities that God puts in front of us. Amen? Amen. Now, let's listen to what Dr. Goretzky says about the obstacles and opportunities that are in front of us right now. So good morning, Ebenezer, and welcome to our service this morning. With me today is Dr. David Goretzky. And he is the Executive uh, Vice President and Resident Theologian with the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. Now, I know David best uh, through my years of seminary, and I had him as a prof at one of my classes and really, really appreciated him. But now he has a different role as of three years ago. Okay, so I have a few questions for you today, and, sure. and we're going to try and jump into them right away here. So my first question is uh, just from your your new vantage point with the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. How would you describe the state of the church right now? And maybe describe it uh, kind of pre-COVID. And if sure. you want to comment on if anything shifted, that's fine too. Sure. Well, I think if I'm honest, uh, in the last few years, as I've been you know, thinking about what the where the church is at, I, I think that in many ways, the church in Canada feels a little bit like it's closing the ranks in around itself, kind of pulling in uh, to itself. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, I mean, we're feeling marginalized, right? We're feeling further and further on the, the edges and the fringes of society. And, and we're historically in Canada, we're not really used to that. Like we're more used to being kind of at the centers of power. And and so we're, you know, as many authors are saying, we're, we're entering or if we aren't already, I think we actually already are in a post-Christian era. Uh, we did some polling just just uh, this last summer in 2019, a year ago, and this was and we've been doing this polling, national polling uh, across Canada for you know over 25 years. This was the first year in our 25 years of polling that it tipped the balance to more than 50% of Canadians are now uh, no religious affiliation. Wow. So they're either wow. nuns, nuns, duns, people who are done with religion, uh, a, a number of people who would call themselves spiritual but not religious. They want nothing to do with organized religion, and of course, agnostic and atheist. So 
more than 50% of Canadians are, aren't even associated with the church. And the church, you know, even, even 10, 10 or 12 years ago, our numbers said that the church uh, attendance uh, in Canada was right around 21%. Our last poll here just uh, last summer said that now only about 11% of Canadians attend church with any kind of regularity. So, so in honesty, I think the church is feeling anxious, a little bit fearful, sometimes a little bit defensive. Um, I mean, that's just the honest assessment, I think, of where yeah. we're at. That's, and these are all generalizations. There's going to be exceptions anywhere to, to yeah, any sure. story. But, but yeah. that's the kind of sense that I'm, I'm getting from, from people as they uh, find themselves more marginalized, more on the edges. Yeah. And so I think you're just saying what a lot of us are, are realizing, you're putting some data to it, but we live in a very secularized society right now. And that is certainly having an impact on the church. Yeah. So let me ask you another question connected with that, though. So uh, there's a, a fellow in the States that you probably know. His name is Ed Stetzer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has kind of a role and has a, has a strong voice amongst evangelicals in the States. But but uh, he made a comment, and he said this about the COVID crisis. He said, uh, "This is our this is our moment." Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I was thinking about that. And I'm I'm wondering, uh, you know, from your perspective, I two two parts to this question. So the first part is, um, like, what are the challenges that you that yeah. you think the church is going to face during this pandemic? And then, what are the unique opportunities? that you see that God might be giving the church during this, this time of crisis? Yeah, that's good questions. You know, I think the, the first challenge right in the midst of this crisis is that uh, the church is going to have to fight fear. That was the thing that came to mind. Hmm. We're, we're kind of coming into it a little bit fearful and anxious as it is. And this is the, the challenge that we're in now is, is we, we need to, you know, fight fear <laughs> I had a, you know, a, a non-Christian friend from Saskatchewan. We lived in Saskatchewan for 24 years. Just Facebook messaged me here about a month ago, just at the beginning of the crisis. And I mean, she was so anxious and so fearful about this whole uh, virus and, and looking for some kind of message of hope. And, and so I think that's, that's the challenge that we have because we can kind of end up being fearful ourselves. But we know that we ought not to fear because of how often the Bible tells us, you know, fear not, be, be of good courage. So I think that's a big, uh, a, a big challenge. The second would be, um, in terms of challenges, how to be the church between Sundays. We've just, we, we've, so many of us have talked for so many years, pastors and writers and so on, about, you know, the church is not just the building, the church is not just Sunday, the church is all the time. And so this has actually kind of forced us, <laughs> forced our yeah. hand, to say, what are we between Sundays? And indeed, what are we when there are no Sundays? It just seems like every day runs into one another right now. So yeah. being the church uh, between Sundays, I think, is, is perhaps one of our bigger challenges. Uh, in terms of opportunities, you asked about opportunities. That's the same answer. <laughs> if the big challenge is being the church between Sundays, how are we going to be the church in between Sundays? I think that's actually one of our biggest opportunities, too. Is, is that suddenly we're being challenged to think about how we can actually be the body of Christ, how we can actually live out our faith when we're not necessarily solely identified or primarily identified by our, our Sunday morning gathering. I'm not downplaying the importance of the Sunday morning gathering. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that we'll all continue, but, 
but it's really, you know, it's really pushing us to, to be the church between, between Sundays. I have a, gr- a quick story relating if you're okay with this. Yeah, go ahead. At, at the church that I attend, it's, a, it's actually a pretty small church, um, probably about 150 people. And um, our head usher uh, was asked on Facebook one day, how do you be an usher, jokingly, how do you be an usher online, like when there's no, no ushering to be done? And it was asked in a joking way, and he actually sat down and thought about it and came back with an answer. And I have to say, I would, I would give him the award for the best online usher that I have ever known. Maybe the only one. <laughs> because, what does he do? Uh, so, for example, he's been uh, Facebook messaging the group, reminding people what time the services are for those people who have struggles with getting online. He's, he's uh, messaging directly, helping them to figure out how to set up to watch YouTube or how to log into the Zoom. He's encouraging people not to forget the giving, the regular giving, because he's an usher. <laughs> and yep. so people who need to give online, he's kind of coaching them through how to get set up. So, I mean, it's a real practical example of how even though an usher's role is typically thought of as on a Sunday, he's kind of flipped it completely all over, all over top of itself. And he's now being an usher seven days a week. I thought that was great. Um, That's good. Yeah. I think a couple other really quick things. Um, Just be there for the fearful. Like I mentioned with, with uh, that, that woman that, that messaged me, we can be fearful, but we have to be there for, for the fearful and, and I think there's all kinds of ways we can, you know, speak hope into people's lives, pray for them. Uh, I think there's some unique opportunities in that way. And the last one I think would be, this has really struck home for, for me uh, in the last couple of weeks. I think we need to learn from our isolation. And we need to learn uh, about people who experience isolation on a regular basis and not just like we are temporarily. So, and this hits close to home for me because um, my wife is, is, is uh, not well and she's, she's now mostly in a wheelchair. And for the last several months, she hasn't been able to attend church. And um, it's interesting because now that our church is streaming online and we've got some ability yeah. to, to do that, interestingly, for the first time in a few months, my wife's been at church and, and, uh, and, with, and together with me. And so it's actually opened my eyes to realize there's a lot of people both in our churches and in our society who just can't get, can't get to church on Sunday morning. They're maybe elderly people or shut-ins, you know, people with disabilities, uh, people who are poor, who who probably don't have any kind of church homes. Um, I've really thought about how, you know, the isolation has really turned its head on, turned upside down for me to think, a lot of people experience this all of the time. Yeah. And I think they've, they've often slipped through the cracks. And so it's a great opportunity for the church to, to reach out to those type of people too. Yeah. I was just thinking as you're talking in, in this section, uh, you know, we talked about the whole Sunday morning gathering. Mm-hmm. And I think the danger is still for church leaders like myself is that you're, you're so busy trying to put the production together like this you know, for, for the Sunday morning and make sure all the technology is working and you have something ready online that now that the shift has gone from the Sunday morning gathering to the Sunday morning production yeah. and it's still focused yeah. on, on Sunday morning. And so, so we have to be careful that we don't just now shift our, 
our time and energy towards uh, yeah. one event thing, but we keep on moving forward. Yeah. And then, yeah. then also, and you can comment on this too, but just, you know, uh, one of the questions that came in to our, to me was, so how do we become the body of Christ right now? And I, I think it just reaffirms that uh, we can't look at church as just a gathering of people on a certain uh, time frame and a certain day in a certain location, but we have to see ourselves as the, as the body unleashed around us. And so rather than waiting for a pastor or a church staff member to call you, uh, you could be like that usher and that we could just mm. take, you know, c- take responsibility for the people in our congregation and actively call them and care for them uh, along the way. And, and one of the phrases I've used in the past is, is really we have to get out of the, out of the men- mentality that it's the church. Um, the church is you. And so the touch of one is a touch of all. It doesn't end. If, so yeah. if you're feeling, um, you know, loved by an usher, or someone else from the church, that that's fantastic. Yeah, I've often been, in the last couple of weeks, I've been saying, we've always known that the church is both scattered and gathered, but we've tended to focus on the gathering. But it is both. It's both the gathered and the scattered. And uh, it's somehow, I think, we've, like you said, we've focused so much on the gathered, sometimes we've forgotten what to do when we're scattered. So this is, this is a good test for us. Yeah. It's interesting, just as we're in this conversation here, I just received a call on my phone. I saw saw who it was from. It was from a, a fellow from the church, um, yeah. someone who's retired, and I'm sure he was just calling to check in to see how I was doing. And that's what it means to be the body, yeah. is to just do those very things and, and to carry it out. Yeah, okay, sure. I, I, w- I want to move forward here, and yeah. uh, I want to talk more a little bit about the mission of the church. And when I emailed you, you you said to me that you've really grown in the mission side of the, of the of some of these questions and you've had some amazing conversations and prayer stories and and so th- those questions kind of resonate with you and and I liked I liked how you described yourself because I think uh, you're very relatable to us so even though you're you know the res- resident theologian you you said I'm actually not the best evangelist and I'm I'm not the best prayer in the world but over this last little while, I've done more evangelizing and I've had more opportunities and more conversations about Jesus than I have in many, many years prior to that. And so, so why don't you just kind of describe that experience and, and what have you learned in terms of just being ready for what God brings in front of you? Okay. Well, I think that to start, um, I think the word I used, Leighton, was lousy. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, but I didn't use it. <laughs> yeah, lousy, lousy evangelist. I've always had a heart for evangelism. I really have yeah. ever, ever since I've been young, but I've always been a, a lousy evangelist, and, and I feel like I'm a lousy prayer too. But I mean, so what I'm speaking to has me really more to do even in the last whole year than, than just in the last few weeks. But um, uh, just a couple things for me that, that really have, changed my perspective on, on thinking about evangelism is I've adopted a, a bit of a model and, and I'm sorry that there's someone out there who gave this to me, but I can't remember the source. I think it's a book, but I can't remember which book who said we should think about everybody in the church and out of the church on a scale of one to a hundred with one being utterly, absolutely lost, you know, without God, without hope, without knowledge hmm. of Christ to a hundred, which none of us are at because we're not resurrected in our bodies yet. But, but all of us are somewhere in between there. And, and I do believe that there, you know, the scriptures are, are clear that we're rescued from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I think that yeah. people are either in or out of the kingdom, 
the, the thing is, is that we can't always tell exactly where that is or where people start that journey. Sometimes it's very clear, sometimes it's not. But if we think about someone always on that scale, and they may not appear to be a Christian, maybe they're, maybe they're a 28. Mm-hmm. And if starting, you know, just thinking about a person and who, whoever you encounter and wherever you encounter, and just giving yourself kind of a quick, you know, assessment, even though you might be completely wrong, as to where this person might actually be, and say, if I can move that person one step from a 28 to a 29, yeah. if I can be used as God to do that, that that's, that's probably a, a, a good thing. <laughs> you know, I think of how Paul uh, talks about, you know, some, some plant, uh, some cultivate, and, and some, some do the harvest. So that really freed me up because I always used to think that being evangelist means always winning souls to Christ. So, so that that's, uh, certainly helped me. Um, it's taking a lot of the pressure off of me for sure. And then, and as a result, I've actually had much more expectation when I meet people because now I'm not necessarily worrying about whether I'm going to say the right words yeah. or, you know, give them the, the full gospel because I only have 10 minutes or whatever. I think there's times for that. Uh, but I'm thinking about, I might only have two minutes here. What can I do in two minutes? And, and the second principle that, that I learned from, uh, his name's Pastor Dave Overholt from, from, from uh, Toronto, a longtime youth pastor, but also now, now a lead pastor. And he, he, he's put it this way. He says, we all need to be just 10% more friendly. If you just think <laughs> about being 10% more friendly and, and what that actually means when you encounter someone. So I, when I first heard that, I thought, That's, that seems really kind of silly. I'll be honest. I was a little bit skeptical. Yeah. But, but now I've I've started to practice that. And I'll give you an example. I I ride the train. I live in Ottawa, and I ride the train between Ottawa and Toronto uh, often. It's a four-hour trip. And one day, uh, an elderly lady came in and sat next to me on the train, and she had an armload of stuff, and it was knocking into me. And my my carnal self was saying. Like, I'm really annoyed. <laughs> I wanted to work on the train and, you know, here's all her stuff spilling out over me. And I was a bit annoyed. And that immediately came to mind. Be 10% more friendly than you would want to be. So instead of griping about it, I saw that she had some herbs hanging out of her grocery bag. And I said, are those, what are those? Are those herbs? Yeah, yeah. She's preparing a meal. And we started talking and I found out she's a, a Muslim leader, lady, and she was preparing some kind of meal for a holy meal of some sort. Uh, she was going back home to, to prepare this meal. And we had like about a two and a half hour talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. We ended up talking about Jesus. And uh, I, I just think back to that, that, that conversation and thinking, had I not been 10% more friendly, I probably would have just clammed up and not said anything. Yeah kept to myself and not had and would have lost that opportunity. And I have, you know, uh, you know, a good dozen stories from this past year where just that one little move, just be 10% a little bit more friendly and how, how often it's opened up for conversation. You talked about being, uh, having some more expectation on yourself. One of the phrases we've used around here is just to be a bit more expectant. And we've been, we've been taking time just to, to pray 
that God would open our eyes to the opportunities he's bringing in front of us. And it's amazing that when we start praying that way, then we become more expectant of what might happen. And we tend to see those opportunities and then, and then maybe step through them a bit better than we normally do. So that's been a good thing for, for us too. I think you got, we have to learn to trust the Holy spirit a little bit more too. I know that um, sometimes, you know, a thought comes to mind and we, we might pass that off as just, just a thought. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And following those thoughts. Um, and, and it was interesting, you know, a little while ago, I was on the other, literally on the other side of the world in, in Indonesia and uh, at a conference. And in the middle of the conference, uh, a person's name that I knew 30 years ago uh, came to my mind. And the thought was, message this person. And I just thought it was ridiculous. Like, I haven't talked to this person in 30 years. But I went back to my room and I messaged uh, this person and found out that she was in great need. She's not a believer. But she's in great need. Mm. And she's on a journey to, to the Lord right now. Like, she's, she's seeking. And she couldn't believe that out of the blue, I would have messaged her about the things that she's talking about. So that convicts me actually. I was going to say that that last story convicts me because um, God has brought someone to my mind that okay. I, I haven't talked Go to since them. I was in grade 12 <laughs> high school. That's... And, and it's, and it's come and it's come numerous times. And I, I think I need to just follow okay. up on okay, that Layton. and just do it. This is the Holy spirit, I think, because guess what? The person that I messaged was grade 12 high school. Yeah, so, well, so you're, well you're being spoken to. Uh, I'll, I'll do that and see what happens. <laughs> okay, I have I have one last question for you, okay. and, and I'm yep. I'm hoping you can answer it. So I'm warning you, it's it's a big one. Okay. And and uh, this one this one uh, like I asked people from our church to send me questions, and this one came up at least three or four times in different forms. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so uh, I'll just kind of try and generalize it, but it's it's the question of of um, with so much information available on the internet uh how do you kind of sort through all this information and sift through it uh and know what is true and what is misinformation um so that we can kind of walk with wisdom rather than than with fear and i know that you're kind of the voice of evangelicals and you're probably figuring out some things that you're sifting through so do you have any advice for us in this area I'm glad you asked it to me in advance so I could think it through a little bit <laughs> because it's a great question, but, 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 you know, not easy to answer, but you know, where I ended up was because you asked, actually asked about the word trust and, and that's, that's for me key to it. Like the word trust itself is in our normal usage is a relational term. It's based on who, you know, the kind of person that, you know, and it's, it, it, I, I, was, I, mean, I, I actually came and thought about um, Martin Luther, uh, the, the great Protestant reformer, who, when he would talk about faith, he always insisted that faith was trust more than it was belief, which hmm. was really interesting because I think a lot of us, when we look at information online, it's all about information. It's about the things yeah. you believe, right? And there's a place... For, for right information and, and, and right, uh, right uh, facts and so on. Um, but really the issue comes down to trust. Yeah. Like who do you trust? And uh, I was reminded of uh, Paul in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
you know the the famous verse in 316 about all scripture being inspired and useful yeah. for teaching rebuking and so on but just before that and i wrote it down here because i knew i wanted to use that 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 passage he says he's writing to young timothy and he says but as for you continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of that's the knowledge part you know continue what you've learned and have been convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it that's great you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you you've, you've uh, uh, known the holy scriptures so as i've thought about you know information on the internet and so on we always have to remember that all of this information no matter where it's from is disembodied from from relationships right or it can be disembodied yeah. from relationships and so good knowledge you know what's true and trustworthy is going to be channeled through people that you know are trustworthy yeah. right so practically i think we should always be somewhat suspicious of disembodied information from the internet just just automatically because because that's it's it's not coming we don't know where the source is right and so what i think we need to do is when we when something comes to us on the internet or we look up we have to ask the question of who not what just but who's behind this yeah. what kind of people are these that are are putting this up where did i get this information is that person trustworthy uh, are they the kind of person that would would tell me something untruthful and and i think that that also then thinking through like who who really know, who do i know that really knows yeah. So another example um, that, that, that's just been fantastic for me is because of my, my interest in the persecuted church, I've gotten to know a, a beautiful uh, young Iranian couple in Toronto, uh, both of whom converted to Christ um, and are, are unable to go back to Iran because it's illegal there <laughs> to, to become yeah. a Christian. And so whenever I see something on Iran, uh, he's actually a trained journalist. I'll email him and say, if I'm not sure, I'll say, can you tell me, like, wh what, do you, what do you know about this? Is, this? is this true? Is this right? Does this make sense? And sometimes it'll, it'll make complete sense on YouTube or on the yeah. website. Yeah. And he'll come back to me and say, well, that's, that's partially true, but they're missing this, right? And so the, the, the personal trust that I have in him as someone who's an insider, I mean, he, he grew up in Iran, he was a Muslim, He's a trained journalist, um, and, and he's a believer. Uh, yeah. that, that just adds a whole new kind of level of ability to sort through what I trust and what I won't, won't trust. Most times on the internet, I start with uh, a little bit of distrust <laughs> before I jump yeah. to trust, you know, until I, I find someone that can maybe help me to, to sort through. We got we to gotta rely on the right people to, to help us uh, yeah. sort it out. Yeah. And I think the people of God, we need to be wise, right? Like we can't, oh, yeah. we can't be jumping at every little conspiracy theory and we need to discern and test and test where it's coming from. So I think yeah. that's, that's good for us. We have to be charitably suspicious, not conspiratorially suspicious. Because if you start with a charitable suspicion, it means that you're, there's a potential that you're, you, what the person is saying, you know, could be, could be true. Yeah. If you start with a conspiratorial, conspiratorial suspicion, then you're going to believe what you're going to believe. It, 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 you're not going to be able to see through to the truth. You're going to presuppose yeah. that you know what's true and what isn't true. Yeah, and that's dangerous. And I think yeah. we need to remember that that we have 
the the source of truth and yeah. that the Jesus is is the truth and his word is true and we start there and we build that as the found lay that as the foundation and build off of that well listen david thank you very much for being with us today i i've appreciated you as a person over the years and and i really uh just want to say we value your role and the role of evangelical fellowship of canada uh here in canada we need to have that uh strong voice and we we have confidence in you guys so thank you for all that you do for us God, Thanks God so bless much, you. It's been a blessing to be here. I feel really privileged. Thanks. In the interview, uh, Dr. Gretzky encouraged me to follow up on the Holy Spirit's nudging to contact my friend. This was recorded a couple of weeks ago, and I want you to know that I did follow up. So far, nothing has come of it yet, but that's okay. God calls us to be faithful to his word and to his promptings. Uh, I want to tell you a, a quick story. Uh, a few weeks ago in staff meeting, we were just checking up with everyone, and I just asked our staff, so uh, how are you doing and, and what have you been doing? And, and uh, Pastor Shaddy very nonchalantly just shared of this amazing prayer meeting that they're having. Uh, every Wednesday, they live stream a prayer, and he just casually said that 2,000 people joined us this last week from all over the world. I'm going, 2,000 people, that's amazing. So let's just listen in to, to hear this interview with them. So I'm with uh, a few people right here. This is Labib, and then of course you know Shadi, and this is Afkin. And they were here set up in our church library, and they were doing a live stream prayer meeting, which they started how many weeks ago, Shadi? Now, five weeks ago. Five weeks ago. And Shadi told me that uh, you're getting up to 2,000 views people yeah. uh, linking into the live prayer meeting. Every time they do that, how many times do you do it a week? Once a week. Just, every, every Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Every Wednesday at 4 o'clock. And so, Shadi, why don't you just tell us a bit about um, what, what you're doing and some of the things that come in. So usually what we are doing, we are uh, being on, on Facebook Live and uh, then there are the other brothers will be helping with writing the request, the prayer request. And there's a telephone number that we get freely through on the internet and we have this phone number as it's the prayer line and people can call us through whatsapp the whatsapp application they can just put this number and call us anytime during the service and we will answer them and then we can make the dialogue and talk with them sometimes they call us to request a prayer or to tell us that something that we prayed for happened like today a lady called from australia she said i called a few weeks ago asking about the lady who's having corona and she was in the ICU in coma and now the lady is completely healed and she went back home uh, 100% healed. So where are the people called from? So we have like today Australia, we have Turkey, we have Germany, we have in the States, they call and within Canada also. And also you said Middle East? Though. And the Middle East we have from uh, Iraq, we, we have some people connecting us from Yemen actually. Yeah. And they are not even from a Christian background. So how do you get 2,000 views within five weeks? It's God's grace, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, God's grace and some of your some of your church is sharing this, yes. and so you just go through your networks yeah. and people are responding. Yeah, exactly, people are sharing. Yeah. And so this is what you call making the most of every opportunity. So thank you guys very much. Well, I don't want to take too long with this, but uh, thank, you for, thank you for your good work here, making the most of the opportunities that are in front of you. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was an amazing story. Uh, my, my question to you is, 
What opportunities has God placed in front of you? You know, what might he be prompting you to do? Maybe, maybe he's just calling you to reach out to a neighbor. Maybe he is prompting you to connect with some people on Facebook. Maybe uh, God is prompting you to, to share some of the videos that you're seeing online that can be encouraging to you and others. Whatever that is, let me just encourage you to make the most of your opportunities. That when God prompts you to do something, that you will follow through in obedience. I want to close off this morning by reading one final passage of Scripture. It's Galatians uh, 6, 9-11. And it just simply says this, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to, to those who belong to the family of believers. Let me pray. So, Father, thank you again for your grace and your love. Thank you that you are going to open up doors of opportunity for us and help us to be faithful in responding to those things that you've prompted in us. And may we see your kingdom grow and the fruit of our labor. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn back to Pastor Chet. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.